Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. Good morning, afternoon, hello, whatever happy, it is. New, happy year. new year, whatever it is. <laughs> happy New Year, Alex. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. I love you, buddy, and appreciate everything you do for American Roots. And man, our podcast show has taken off like crazy. We've made the top 100 in iHeart of outdoor shows within yep. two episodes yeah and now we've done what we got about seven out there on the yeah out there on the uh, on the podcast and, and we're podcasting the radio show so folks yeah. who don't understand if you don't hear the radio show on the radio you can you can go find it on your smartphones and you can listen to it when you want alexa if you oh, got alexa. alexa you say alexa play me american roots outdoors radio yeah and it'll pull right up itunes uh tune in radio uh, again iheart uh stitcher and Apple. Yeah, about Even all those, Apple. About all those products. And also you can watch our hunting shows on the Hunt Channel mm-hmm. and also go to our website and watch the hunting shows yep. and YouTube. So exactly. we're doing aggressive uh, marketing and uh, I want to commend uh, Wayne Locke for doing a great job in Absolutely. directing our business with you. Absolutely. And Jonathan Zimmerman being our editor, you didn't know this Redbone. Well, Maybe I did. You do. I did cuz I saw it on the on the Facebook. He's page. leaving us in February to take to go to in the army. Wow. And right now we're training an apprentice, and I'm not revealing his name, to edit. We met with him last night, and he met about four or five hours working with Jonathan in editing. And this young guy is really computer smart. So we've got that covered as a new editor. Good. And Jonathan's trained the way he wants him. But uh, we got a great show lined up. We've got high school basketball tournaments playing across the country. we got NFL. What about those Chiefs, Redbone? I think the Chiefs have got a good shot to go to the Super Bowl. Now, whether or not they can win it or not, that you know, remains to be seen, but I think they can get there. Baltimore, so. Baltimore, of course, is the huge stumbling block yeah. because they are so good. They might be the best team in football, uh, but they don't have a whole lot of experience in the playoffs. You know who I think the best team is? And Chiefs is my favorite team, but you know who the mm-hmm. best team is out there right now? From my observations, the Saints. No. I do. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Saints. No. You want right or down that I, I told you right here, five minutes – after they might lose this weekend or 15 minutes after one <laughs> i don't think they will i don't think they will either but they could it's the playoffs everybody elevates their game and some guys handle the pressure some guys don't and uh, so just we'll, just we'll just have to wait and see anyway i'm i'm still going with my chiefs i am too but i i, I think saints are going to be the guys to beat okay in the nfc all right so alex here's something you may not have known if you didn't see it this morning have you ever seen this show forged in fire i have not Oh, you've never watched it? What's it? A forged in fire. It's a competition where they bring in these guys that make knives. I've and, not and, ever and, seen and it. And they give them a time limit to build a knife or a sword or, or something like that. And then they have a competition to see who is the best uh, bladespiff. Mm. And it's really an interesting show. It's been on for a long time. You need to watch it. It's on History Channel. And uh, it's on Wednesday night. So it was on last night, 8 o'clock. And there was a gentleman from Dora who won it. You kidding me? No, Bobby Walker is his I've name. I've heard of him. Uh, he he owns a company called Devil's Backbone Knives. Oh, yeah, I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bobby Walker won last he night's won episode. It. 
Wow. Yeah, and they have a different episode every week. Dora, Missouri, everybody. And, yeah. and what about Dora High School basketball team? What's some talent over there? Yeah, yeah. they're they're really good. Yeah. They're yeah. really good. They played Thayer in the finals of the Kabul tournament and uh, jumped out to a 20-10 to 10 lead. This is not good a game this was. They, they jumped out to a 20-10 to 10 lead. Then Thayer came back, tied it up at half at 27. And then Dora outscored Thayer in the third quarter by 16, won the game by 17. But it was a really, really good ball game. Thayer's Se- got a seemed, good team. Seemed a lot closer than the score indicated uh, as the game was going on. So, uh, But, yeah, Dora's really good. They're really good. I got a feeling they might win that Class 1 state title this year. Really? Yeah, I think they might. And, and there's some there's some other really good Class 1 teams. Uh, South Iron is really fantastic. And uh, uh, there are some others. The team that beat Dora in the state finals last year got everybody back. They'll probably be there again. So, But anyway, we got a lot of basketball between now and the state championships. A lot of basketball to play. Yeah, we do. And what about Liberty Girls winning the, the Mount Grove tournament? Mount Grove tournament, yeah. Liberty Girls have reloaded and might be. And, and I had a fellow broadcaster tell me he thinks they might be better this year than they were last year. I haven't got to watch them, but I hear they're really good, and I congratulate them. We yeah. all congratulate them. And we congratulate all the teams out there that are listening. Oh, yeah. There's Cape Girada, uh Poplar Bluff, Salem, Missouri, Ava. Ava? Yeah. Still can't get over those Ava Bears. Arkansas. Those Ava Bears going and playing for the state football title. That was just cool. Yeah, that was good. That Even was though they good. didn't win. What still, year we had in 2019? There. We can reflect back to some of the cool things that happened. You know, I won the King of the River. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, Fair Lady Bobcats won the state basketball championship. Yeah. In 2019. They sure did. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff. Well, you know, here's to everybody listening, man. We wish everybody a, a prosperous and healthy 2020. We've got a cool show lined up for you we got a special guest coming on, and this guy is a legend. And we've already done the interview. We're doing the intro of the show now. Uh, we, we didn't have to tell you that, but we wanted to tell you. This guy, man, you wait to hear this podcast, this radio show, because it is touching, isn't it, Redbone? It's probably it the is. best show that we've done. Yeah, if people and folks, I'm going to tell you right now, turn everything else off and sit down and, and listen to today's guest. And he is? Hank Parker. Hank Parker. The legend. The legend. Two-time Bassmaster Classic champion winner. Several Hall of Fame titles he's been yeah. inducted in. And he's still a fishing legend. He, he travels the, the circuit doing wild game dinners, speaking about Jesus Christ. And he, he's all about family, man. And, and a bonus feature we got on the show for you guys, if you if you join the podcast become a member, there's a bonus segment. I'm going to let you talk about that. Surprise people. Well, the bonus segment, it starts with a story that involves Hank Parker and Dale Earnhardt. And, uh, folks, you don't want to miss it. It is hilarious. And then Hank Parker gives this testimony, the it's, way he was saved and, and uh, you know, how he's carried that out. And, and he stayed true to that since 1975. And I got to tell you, folks, from sitting here in the studio and watching Redbone on the mic, it literally touched Redbone. Yeah, it did. And I think it will touch everybody that listens. I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. A new year coming, Alex. I know okay. you know we're, the the podcasts are up and running strong. You talk yep. about that. The, mm-hmm. the radio shows, of course, and and, and folks, if you would like your know, your local radio station to carry the show, we haven't said this in a while. Yeah, uh, tell them to contact us uh, because yeah. we're looking to expand the the reach of the of the radio show, so we can always uh, talk to them about uh, making that happen. Redbone and, is the director. Contact Redbone. Yeah, just just find me on Facebook, Mike Crace on Facebook, and just send me a message, and and we'll get in touch with the proper people and see if we can make that happen. 
And Wayne Lacks, the brand manager, too. You can contact him also. Yeah. And they work together on this. Well, if you'd like for your station to take us off, well, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't Just do that. Funny, Mike. Don't do that. But anyway, I want to say this, too. You know, we got a lot of exciting things coming up. We, we had a major meeting this past year with a box store. They have seven to nine stores, and they're going to be carrying American Roots products in their stores. That cool. was our meeting. And we haven't finalized it, but it's looking good. And uh, we're finalizing all the packaging and uh, new designs. We've got some new designs for caps and shirts that we'll be coming out with. And uh, cool. want to thank all of our sponsors out there that supported us. Uh, Dalton Pallet, uh, Monty's Outdoors. Uh, West Plains Auto World. West Plains Auto World. Uh, Outpost Expressions. Outpost Countryside Chevrolet. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember the other one. Detailing, Kelly's Phil, Rebuilding. Phillips Truck Repair. Phillips Truck Repair is very loyal. If you want some tires, everybody, he's got those CPEC tires up there. Mm. Just a great buy on them. But anyway, I want to thank Hornady. I want to thank Eagle Absolutely. Seed. Uh, we've had All a lot of folks that have been there. Yeah. All right, so Alex, one thing. we got to wrap this segment up because we've yeah. got to get on to yeah. our, our next segment. Uh, did you know that as of today, we are closer to the year 2050 than we are to the year 1990. <laughs> what? Think about that. Do the math. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing? For sure, we'll never see 2000. <laughs> never seen, uh, yeah, well, 2050, maybe. We'll live to be well, 100. Uh, I'd be 105 years old. You think you're going to live to 105? <laughs> my grandpa lived to be 103. I mean, oh, my, great, my great-grandfather lived you to be 103. You might, then. You might. Well, hey, as long as you eat lots of cabbage and Black-eyed peas every year and well, I sweet cornbread. I, I, I did that too. Wednesday. What yeah. did you have for your? Let's talk about that real quick. Real, real quick. Right. All right, black-eyed peas, and we had ham, and we had fried potatoes, cornbread, and we also had some hot wings. We had the same thing. Other than that, we had Dexter barbecue ribs from Dexter, Missouri. Oh, wow. and we had little pork fillets that Linda fried up. Man, what a cook! And I, I'm I can't wait to get home. Yeah, everybody, we're gonna go to a break, and when we come back, we've got Hank Parker Senior, the legend. Bassmaster Classic Champion, the Hall of Famer, coming up after this. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Across the creek up a big old hill. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, and as promised, our surprise guest is on the line, Redbone, and this guy, I tell you what, I look up to this guy. He's one of my mentors, and I truly mean this. I love this guy like a brother. And, and if you've never heard this guy speak at a church wild game dinner, you have no idea what you're missing out on. This guy is so passionate about everything he does. And, man, what a great mentor and a great legend he's been to everybody in the outdoor industry. Redbone. Uh, yeah, I, you know, been in it a long time, and and uh, you know, some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen has been on some of his shows. Oh yeah, oh, Hank, <laughs> Hank Parker, everybody, welcome to the show, Hank Parker. You're on the line. <laughs> Good to be here. Good to hear you guys, Redbone and Alex. Good to be on the show, man. That's awesome. All right, now you're calling from where? I'm calling from home, man, and that is so awesome for me. I normally am not home. Uh, in January, I'm usually sitting in a tree stand, but uh, not this year. So I'm home, and uh, we brought the New Year's in at home. That's pretty cool. Yes, it is. You know, we got a cool show lined up for everybody here. We got people listening all over the world, as far as New Zealand, Australia, everywhere now, listening to our podcast. 
This is distributed to eight networks across southern Missouri and northern Arkansas. We've got a huge reach, Hank, and I want to kick this thing off. Everybody that's in the outdoors that deer hunts, turkey hunts, fishes, they know who Hank Parker is, as we do on all shows. I want to kick this thing off. Let's talk about Hank Parker's American roots. Hank, where was you born? Let's talk about your parents. I was born in a little town of Maiden, North Carolina, and my mom and dad, my dad was from Georgia, and he was in the military and fought World War II and was finishing his career, military career in North Carolina, met my mom and got married and stayed in my mom's hometown, a little town, Maiden, North Carolina, and um, my dad had a fifth-grade education but was the smartest man I ever knew. <laughs> I promise you. It sounded like my dad. Did you know my dad was in World War II also? He served on the USS Yorktown, Hank. How about that? My dad worked on the tank uh, battalion with uh, under Patton. So he wow. was in some pretty bloody, 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 messy wars. But. You know, I love our military, and I sure respect them, and I'm so grateful that there were men like your dad and my dad that fought to give us the freedom that we could hunt and fish and do mm-hmm. the things we love to do. This is awesome, Redbone. Yeah, you know, without people like them, we might all be speaking German right now. <laughs> or Russian. There's no doubt about it. There, yeah. there is no doubt about it. And, and I, I'll tell you, the largest war protest in American history uh, per capita uh, when the population of America wasn't so so much as it is today, 300 million plus, but uh, uh, was the revolt against the American forces joining in with the European forces to fight Hitler, and it mm-hmm. took place in Madison Square Garden. And if if we would have listened to those war protesters, we would all be saying "Hi, Hitler" today. Yeah, yeah. isn't that something? That's intriguing and and mind blowing. Uh, I didn't know you was into history like you are, Hank. And, and, well, that's cool. <laughs> you know, America is an incredible country, and we're young, and God has blessed this country because we have honored God. But the sad thing is to watch what has taken place in our country today mm. and uh, and watch what is happening politically mm-hmm. and how we have just absolutely abandoned God. We've taken him out of the schools, the classrooms. We've taken him uh, off the uh, walls of the courthouses, mm-hmm. and it's just the same that uh, that we've abandoned the principles that made this country great. And it, You're it's right. a sad time in, in a lot of ways. You know, that's that's why I love Hank Parker. Everybody, he, he he's on the right. He's not a left, <laughs> and he, you know, and we're conservatives in the way we was raised. And you too, uh, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know. All of our listeners, man, are conservatives. I know we got some liberals, but I can tell you right now, uh, we're Trump 2020, brother, all the way. And uh, (laughs) we believe in the Second Amendment right and all of our constitutional rights. But uh, we're going to talk more about that. But, Hank, how did you get into fishing? Was you raised in the outdoors? I mean, you hold two bass. Just a little bitty kid. I I mean, a little bitty kid. I got to do a lot of things, you know, my dad and my mom would take us to the fair, to the circus, uh, and we, we would go do things, and it would be exciting, and riding a Ferris wheel, or, or merry-go-round, or riding in a go-kart, or what, it was all that was exciting, but nothing ever thrilled me as much as being in the outdoors, mm. uh, squirrel hunting, uh, fishing, uh, it was just such a thrill to me, and 
it's been an addiction that's down in my soul. <laughs> Nothing seemed to uh, to be as exciting to me, and it's still, you know, here I am, sixty, almost sixty-seven years old, and I still get excited, man. I yeah. still get fired up, and uh, I love every second of it. And it's just been. Uh, it's just been a kind of a calling for me. The outdoors is where I'm the most at home and most mm-hmm. alive. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I tell you what, your, your TV shows and everything you've done sure has paved the way for a lot of younger shows and younger people coming in the industry. And I want to commend you for that. And and I love the fact that you've got your family, your boys in with your show and, and showing the love of your family. And you're always professing your faith. And that just means so much, man. And we need more of that. And that being said, uh, you got into fishing, and what kind of work did you do as a kid growing up? Uh, you graduated high school. Did you go to college? And let's go from there. What kind of work did you do? Well, I started out, I was telling you about my dad. My dad turned into an alcoholic, Alex, and uh, Alex, and he uh, he was not, uh, not a very good dad. And mm. uh, I had a broken home, and my dad, uh, my dad in 1970, uh, when, when I was just uh, uh, around 16 years old, my dad got saved. Hallelujah. And uh, I didn't even know what that meant. I had no yeah. clue what that meant. Yeah. Uh, I was not churched. And, and my dad, man, it was just unbelievable. He, he turned into a whole different person and uh, became, he went from a drunk to a saint, I tell everybody. And uh, he started praying for me and witnessing to me, and, uh, boy, I ran. I ran like a rabbit. I didn't want any part of it. But uh, uh, at my dad's funeral, he got killed in 1975. He went with a group of men to his, uh, to, from his church to build a youth home in Kansas, and on the way home, uh, he was killed in an automobile accident, and he left a note in his Bible that said that, uh, he, he didn't want him to preach a traditional funeral service for him. They wanted to preach the gospel. He had two boys, my brother David and I, uh, that were lost. And it may be the last time this side of eternity we hear the gospel. And so I got saved at my dad's funeral. My brother did, too. Wow. And it, it was an amazing uh, journey from that point forward. Uh, my whole life uh, changed, and my priorities changed. And I always wanted to be a professional fisherman. That was my dream from the time I was just a kid. And I didn't know if God was going to let me do that, you know, once I got saved. And, and I didn't really care, whatever it took, you know. And, uh, uh, boy, God just opened up so many incredible doors for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look back, I'm in three or four Hall of Fames, and I won the World Championship a couple of times. And yes. Things have just been a kind of a storybook. But I, I'm going to tell you, uh, it, it was God. God changed my life. Hallelujah. He changed my heart. He changed yes. my priorities. Uh he, he cleaned me up. He gave me morals. He gave me ethics uh, and and motivation to be fair and to be honest and to work hard and mm-hmm. and uh, just the blessings of of being able to achieve some of the things and and I can pat myself on the back and take all kind of credit, but I'm gonna tell you I'm a high school dropout. Uh, I'm a punk kid with a bad attitude that hated the world. And God saved me and turned me wow. around, gave me a new attitude, and gave me hope. And I stand here today as a 66-year-old man with a lot of accomplishments that all go back to a drunk that asked mm. Jesus to save him. What a story. <laughs> what a story. Everybody, we're going to go to a break. Don't you go away. When we come back, it's more of Hank Parker talking about his faith, talking about where he's came from and where he's going to. 
and where he's at today. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors. We're going to a break. We'll be right back with more right after this. Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, and man, what a show we're having, Redbone, with Hank Parker Sr., and he's on the line right now, calling from North Carolina. This guy has won uh, numerous championships of Bassmasters and, and inducted into so many Hall of Fames that this guy, his first story here, what do you think of that, Redbone? Well, it's an amazing story, and, and Hank, I'd like to pick up right there. You yeah. mentioned your dad was, was killed in 1975, and in reading your bio, that's the same year that you started fishing professionally. So what, what made you go ahead and, and take that dive and, and go into the fishing God. world? I can tell you, I can answer it for him. God did. <laughs> yeah, but go ahead. I've been to get there for, for a lot of years, and it just, uh, the opportunity opened up. I had a lure company call me and said they had an entry in a BASS tournament at Sandy Cooper, and they would like for me to go and fish and represent them. And that's where I, I got my start. And, you know, it's <laughs> funny how how uh, you, you recognize things. I, I went down there and I fished that tournament in 1975, and that was a, uh, a summertime tournament, and I realized I wasn't good enough to be there. I, I, I wasn't on their level. Those guys were so much better than me. They understood how to read water. And, uh, man, I, I, I realized I was out of my league. So I came home and didn't fish another tournament in 1975, and I didn't do anything but fish every day. I worked at a marina. And I'd work in the afternoons one week, and the next week I'd work in the morning. So I was off uh, uh, in the afternoons on some weeks and off in the morning. So I fished every day. And I fished with lures I'd never fished with before, and I went to the area of lakes I was not familiar with. And I learned how to read the water, and I learned how to make a fishing lure become a tool and and how to Mm. use it in different applications. And I went back on the tournament circuit. Uh, in 1976, and uh, I never, uh, I, I finished in the money more consistent than any other angler. And people say, well, how did you do that? Well, one, I'd kind of studied up, but two, there, there's not a greater motivator than poverty. <laughs> and I, borrowed, I borrowed the money, and I had to pay that money back. So I had to make a check. Man, that, that, that check was a big deal. So uh, I tried to finish in the money every week. Uh, not not to for bragging rights, but to pay that bank note. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still borrowing money today. I am, Hank. I know. It's, it's crazy. But, man, what a story, listeners. This guy here, he hated the world as a kid growing up, and his father gets killed in a car crash. And in his Bible, uh, his two sons get saved at his funeral. Man, this is powerful. <laughs> this is this is this is the real American roots stories that people needs to hear. This, this guy is a true legend, and and I mean what I'm saying, Hank. I look up to you. You're one one of the in the tops in my life that I look up to. And I remember, well, buddy. The, I I feel the same about you, Alex. Uh, I, I realize. Uh, yeah. You're alive when you're in the woods, and we we have so much in common. But yes. the greatest 
denominator of all, the tie that really binds is Come Jesus on. Christ. And you Come can on. tell when you're around somebody where their priorities Ooh. are and where their heart is. And that yeah. is a very tight bond. And yes. uh, uh, regardless of how faithful we are in the outdoors, uh, yeah. the one that keeps us uh, so tightly wound together to mm-hmm. watch one another's back is the Lord himself. And so mm-hmm. when you're in that fraternity, <laughs> Come on. you can count on your brother, you know. Come that, on. That so important. Yeah, well, I believe, and I still use a lot of your products, and you've sponsored me when I started Bloodline many years ago, and I still believe in you, and I plug you when I can. Uh, man, you've come up with some of the greatest products. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show. But you, you, you worked at a marina, and you kicked it off in 1976, and you start drawing checks to pay your bills. In 1977, I believe you won Bassmasters, didn't you? 79. 79. Uh, 79. I, uh, I, won, uh, I won Angler of the Year in 1976 for National Bass. There were three organizations back in the old days, American okay. Bass, National Bass, and BASF. And I didn't fish BASS. I, I fished my first tournament, 75 BASS. But then when I went back, I fished uh, American Bass and National Bass. And uh, I didn't go back to BASS until 78 when I mm-hmm. – it just cost so much more money, and mm-hmm. they travel so much further. And So I went back. I fished Bass in 78, and I made the Classic, finished in the top 10 in the Angler of the Year race, and mm. finished in the top 10 in the Classic. And mm-hmm. then in 1979, my second year at BASS, uh, I, I won uh, the Virginia Invitational and then the Bassmaster Classic. I'll never forget as a little kid following you, Hank. I thought, man, that guy is cool. <laughs> that guy is a beast. It was a fun run. You know, I look back and uh, – this is Bass's 50th year, so I've been doing some interviews with yeah. Bassmaster Magazine. This is their 50th anniversary, hmm. uh, which, which is pretty cool. Yes. Uh, but it, it's uh, the classics going to be in Birmingham, Alabama. But in doing all these articles and looking back, you reflect uh, on some of the past history, and you get kind of back into that uh, – uh, environment in your mind as mm-hmm. to where you were mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. competition and walking up on the stage and the big bag of fish and all that <laughs> stuff. It, it's been kind of cool, kind of reminiscing a little bit, uh, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. 50 and, years. And, and what you're doing, you're, you're, you're actually paving the way for some of your grandkids. And, and, and what a legacy he's leaving behind for the Parker name, man. You know, uh, leading people to Christ. You speak at wild game dinners all over the world. And uh, I'll never forget one of the stories. We're going to get into this real quick. We got about, I don't know, five minutes, four or five minutes into the next break. But I remember you telling the story that you and, and Dale Earnhardt Sr. were very good friends, very close. And you was talking about you and him deer hunting somewhere in Texas. I want to say King Ranch. And and we may have talked about this before on the show, but I feel we need to talk about it again. And... Uh, you and him got in, you, you drove up behind him, it was right at dark or something, you bumped him in one of the guide's trucks or something, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got several good on our stories. We got a lease together in Texas uh, on the Piloncia. Okay. It was called Tri-County Deer Lease, and we had that from uh, 
about 1981 until uh, two months before he was killed at Daytona. So uh, uh, he and I did a handshake deal uh, about two months before his death that I would never go back to the ranch without him, and mm-hmm. he would not go back without me. And, wow. And when he was killed at Daytona, I've never been back to the ranch. I left the old truck down there. I left some tripods free stands and everything else, but I've never gone back. I, I did a handshake deal, and I miss him as a person, but I will tell you this. He was known as the intimidator, and he was very intimidating. He really honestly was. Mm-hmm. He had this look in his eye that just made you feel like a, a weasel uh, when he looked at you. And uh, I never really laid out. I shared my testimony with him, but I never really buttonholed him and said, Earnhardt, do you know for sure if you die, you're going to go to heaven? I never did that. And Dennis Fisher, you know, I got into racing and my kids mm-hmm. raced. And Dennis mm-hmm. Fisher was a guy from California that Earnhardt brought to uh, to uh, build engines for him. And he built our engines. Mm-hmm. And so I told Dennis Fisher about a month and a half after Earnhardt's death, I said, my biggest regret in the whole wide world is I never really asked him face-to-face, they'll tell me why you will go to heaven when you die. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Fisher, I was sitting in a desk, uh, a chair across from his desk, and he said, Earnhardt sat in the same chair you're sitting in right now. And I asked him that exact question, Hank. I said, Dale, what's going to happen to you if you hit the wall and they scrape you off that wall? Mm-hmm. And he looked me straight in my face with his beady eyes, and he said, Dennis, I'll be in heaven. And he said, Dale, why in the world would you be in heaven? He said, because Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood to cleanse my sin. And I asked him to come into my heart. And I know that if they scrape me off that wall, I'll be in heaven with Jesus. Well, there you go. Wow. There you go. We know where Dale's at, brother. And what a story. And it sounds like you may be a little emotional right now, Hank. I can hear it. In your voice, your eyes are probably glassed up. I love up. that guy, you know, oh, yeah. and I failed, but I'm, I'm glad I had a brother that had my back and asked him the question. Yeah. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to spend the first <laughs> thousand years kissing his feet, and yeah. then I'm going to go look up my dad, my grandmother. Come on, and, come uh, on. Somewhere down the line, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go see old number three. Oh, yeah. Now, now real quick, and what a story. We got about uh, a break. We need to go to a break. Yeah, he's saying we need to go to a break. Let's go to a break, everybody. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with the legend, the Hall of Famer, uh, Hank Parker Senior. We'll be right back right after this. Right here, right now. This is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, Redbone. Hank, what a show, man, and and what a testimony and what a statement for Dale Earnhardt Sr., Redbone. Yeah, and, you know, I've always heard, Hank, and, and you know, I've talked to people that knew Dale or, oh. or heard stories, and everybody thinks, the fans out there think, well, Dale, he was called the Intimidator because he was intimidating on the track. And I've heard people say the same thing you did, was that, no, he was just an intimidating person, period. It was just his personality and just kind of who he was. And, and to hear your story, I mean, that I mean that does a lot of people really a lot of good. Uh, I'm going to tell you, he ran the show. I went to Elkhart with him. He'd tell you where you sleep in the tent. He'd have everybody know, <laughs> tie the horses up over there. We're going to do this. Uh, he ran the deer camp. He ran the race shop. He ran the, he ran the whole deal. That, that was his personality. He was the boss. <laughs> well, what a man. Now, how was he as a hunter? I know you all hunted together. How was he as a hunter? 
He was the most incredible blood trailer I've ever seen in my life. He had a set of eyes that was mm. out of this world, and there couldn't anybody. I, the very few dogs that could trail as good as he did, he'd say, <laughs> there's blood. I'd say, where? We'd take five steps. Yeah. And it'd be a speck about the size of a pinhead. He'd look at me and say, Parker, you can't see that blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that probably comes from racing. I mean, you're running around a trailer oh, yeah. 190 miles an hour. You're 200 either, miles uh, an hour. Well, back yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're yeah, right? I think he was blessed. I really do. But everything he did, mm-hmm. uh, he, he did with a lot of passion. And he wanted to be the best. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll say that. I fished with Bo Jackson. I, I fished with... Uh, uh, Randy White of the Cowboys. I fished oh, yeah. with a lot of great, uh, uh, great athletes, and uh, th- they all want to be the best at everything they do. They they don't like to get beat, you know. Mm-hmm. I fished with Bo mm-hmm. Jackson and Bo playing baseball and football, and he thought he ought to be able to beat me fishing. And, <laughs> and it, boy, he didn't take it good. You get about four or five up on him, and he go to pouting on you. He wants to win, and Earnhardt was the same way. Th- those guys want to win. Well. I think that's the, that that that's what fuels a lot of us. You got to have the passion to be good at whatever you're doing, and, and yeah, God absolutely. God gives you that passion. He really does, and it's handed down through you to you from your ancestors too, or maybe a yeah, good I friend that's that. inspired. I really do. Yeah, a good friend's inspired. You see, I was inspired by Dave and Carmen Forbes. I mean, they took me in like their own son. A redneck hillbilly with a silver tooth. You remember my silver tooth, Hank? Probably had a silver <laughs> tooth, and they said, "Alex, we got to get that tooth fixed." So we got. <laughs> it, it, they just inspired me to do good, and and I love the outdoor industry. And when I get to have uh, conversations and have guests like you on my show, man, it's, it's the highlight of my career because you guys are the real legends. The industry. We're going to get off another subject just a little bit. The industry has changed so much, Hank. And it's corporate business, and, and I want to think that all directors of marketing and sales managers really care about relationships, but it seems like it's changed a lot in this industry. Would you agree? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Everything, loyalty and relationships, and, and for the most part, I still have some great relationships, oh, yeah. and I've got some very loyal companies that I work with on the fishing side, not so much on the hunting side, and it, I'm not faulting yeah. that industry. Uh-huh. The, the hunting industry's in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's yeah. There's been a rearrangement of how you market, and uh, the number of uh, independent retail stores have dwindled to mm-hmm. the fact that they have very little influence. Most of uh, the demand from the manufacturers is from the mass merchants, the big guys, and they're, they're so few in number, and they almost dictate to you who you sponsor, how you mm-hmm. sponsor them, mm-hmm. and they want, they want rebate money, they want advertising money, and so it takes that budget that would normally go to the professional that endorses their product, it, it takes that away. They won't co-op money for this ad. And, mm-hmm. and it's just a whole different world. And it's really, really taking the fun out of the hunting side of the business. Yeah, it has. You know, Hank, you, you, you're very successful in your, your business. you got the Swacker Broadheads, man, and I still shoot them. Uh, you've got Kamir Deer, and you've got so many categories under Kamir Deer, and you've got so many Swacker Broadheads now and excellent products, and, and a lot of the people in my area in the Midwest here are swacker crazy, and Khmer Deer crazy, even though we're not allowed to feed. There's a lot of Khmer Deer fans here. And, uh, you know, 
in the business, people think, well, because you own a business that you're wealthy and you can do whatever you want. They don't understand the struggles we have trying to get placement or trying to get an order so we can break even or et cetera. And, and this business has changed so much. And what happens is, is we get companies that come in that's wealthy uh, business owners or corporations, and they see a product that's doing well, then they'll come in and go to the box stores and try to underbid us. And that's happened, and they reach out. That's just the end. Well, it has been, uh, it's been so many hedge funds that have gone together and they've bought the industry. And, I, you know, I'm certainly not going to name any names, no, but no. I've worked with a lot of the companies that hedge yeah. funds have bought. There's no passion. They don't care anything no. about growing the sport. They don't care about the future of the sport. Come they on. want that bottom line to be the best it can be this year, even if it means stripping people or mm-hmm. taking people out of the business or mm-hmm. breaking somebody or or breaking a company. It really it's about the bottom line. It's all about investments. There's no emotion. There's no attachment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. thank God I grew up in the era yes. uh, that – people that started the company owned the company and had passion and they cared and they cared about the sport forest wood over there in arkansas ranger boats he would do so much to promote the sport uh not even getting a return for ranger boats but getting a return to grow the sport that was his heart what a great man and what a contributor we had lots of people not as not as passionate as forest but pretty close Mm -hmm. and we grew and we cared. That's gone. Now it's hedge funds that are looking for bottom line. Yeah, and that, that's the ruination of the outdoors that's happening. The, the strongest category right now, listeners, Redbone, in the outdoor industry is the fishing industry. The outdoor industry is struggling as a whole. We're telling the truth. Yeah, the hunting industry is in real trouble. Yeah, and uh, you know the only way we're going to straighten it out is people go back to the grassroots. Would you agree of what we're doing? Well, uh, dads are going to have to get back out and quit letting that cell phone entertain their kids. Dads are going to have to take control of the family and get back out in the yard and throw the baseball and shoot Come the bow and arrow in the backyard and shoot the BB gun. Dads need to do their part. Kids don't even know what the outdoors is all about today, and it ain't their fault. It's mm-hmm. the dad's fault for not getting them out there and, and experiencing it. And it's sad that where we're going. And there's no recruits. We're drying up. There, you go to a big hunting out, uh, outdoor show, and everybody in there is 45 years old or older. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and now, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but you're seeing these companies spend all their money on women because it's for sexual attraction, a lot of it, Redbone. You see that, and there's yeah. some women out there that's beautiful that hunt. I'm not being negative to, to, to the women it seemed like that's the biggest demographic in the outdoor industry. It's, if you got a pretty woman, they're going to watch. And it really, people like Hank Parker has paved the way for these younger people. They need to respect Hank Parker. They need to respect people like Eddie Salter, Bill Jordan, uh, Toxie Hayes, uh, people like that that's paved the way. And you're right. We've got to get these fathers that have got to do a better job and get these kids outside and doing stuff with them. Get away from these smartphones. And I'm one of them guilty for it, you know, spending time hey, we on the phone. Are. Yeah. It, it, it's an addictive thing, and we, we've got to realize that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of bad stuff that's on that phone and just the fact that it captivates you and takes you away from what's real and it's all abstract. It, it, it's a limit to, to – 
in a, in a hard balancing act to do. And as I say that, people think, well, you know, it's impossible. And, and I agree, it, it is very, very, very hard. But you take the word impossible and you put an H in front of it, it becomes impossible. Mm, so if you, come if on. You, if, you, if you prioritize things under him, uh, with a capital H, then uh, there are a lot of things that are possible. And it's back to getting your priorities right. And I want to say one quick thing, Alex. Yeah. I started out talking about where America's going. Yeah. But I love Donald Trump. I think yep. he's done a great oh, yeah. job for this country. There are a lot of things about him I don't particularly like. I there agree. Are some things he does that offends me. But yep. overall, what he's done for our country. But my hope is not in Donald Trump. Come my on. hope is not in America. Come on. Uh, regardless of how bad things go, if the whole liberal world takes over, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And Come my on. hope is alive and well. And my happiness is not controlled by my circumstances mm-hmm. in this country. My happiness is controlled by my relationship with Jesus Christ. Wow. Powerful, everybody. Well, if you want to learn more about Hank Parker, all you got to do is sign up and join our podcast. We're going to do a bonus segment after this show, everybody. We're going to tell you how you can follow Hank Parker and buy his products. And you're going to get to hear a bonus section here of what him and Dale Earnhardt Jr. done to some trucks <laughs> while they was hunting in Texas. But also, you're going to share his testimony if with us, if you don't mind, Hank, a quick testimony in the bonus segment. Everybody, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors. Yeah, don't mind at all. Yeah, Hank Parker, thank you for being on the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, and uh, sign up for the bonus segment coming up after this. Remember, when your roots are deep and strong, which is your faith in God, it's your name. There's no reason to fear the wind. Till next week, Hank Parker, Redbone Mike Crace, Alex Rhodes. Have a great, safe weekend. Take your kids outdoors. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. American Roots Outdoors bonus segment with legendary Hall of Famer Hank Parker. Hank, you got to share the story of you and Dale Earnhardt. What did you do to those trucks down here in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> well, it goes back. Let, let me tell you, we yeah. had a lease down there called yeah. at the Piloncia, and uh, Dale, he's he's uh, he was a go getter, you know. And we yeah. just had a lot of fun. We pulled a lot of pranks on each other, you know. I put saran wrap over the toilet one night where <laughs> he, he got wet, and uh, uh, he didn't like that, so he, he's gonna pay me back. And so uh, we uh, we had I had an old truck, and he had a truck down there. And I was coming in one night, and uh, he came up behind me without the lights on. Oh. And he he put the bumper to me, and um, I had a rack on the top of the truck, so uh, he, he spun me out. I mean, I went up through the woods and through a fence, and I had to spend the next day fixing that fence because I was afraid they were going to kick us off the lease, and he thought that was hilarious. Then I spent the next three days trying to catch him, and it was kind of like the roadrunner and the coyote. There wasn't no catching him. He, he, that boy could drive a a truck on a dirt road good he could at the Daytona 500, so I never caught him. 
So we go back the next year, and I wanted a high rack. I had an old truck. I wanted a high rack. And uh, the guy that built the high racks told me about this old van that a guy had and had it in Mexico. And he said, the old van's no good, but the rack on it, we can convert it and put it on your truck. So he delivered that thing to the ranch where I was hunting. And so he was going to come and take the rack off and uh, and put it on my truck. So I decided to drive it. Well, Dale Earnhardt's best friend in the whole wide world, other than Neil Bonnet after Neil got killed, is Donnie Reeves. And Donnie was mm-hmm. a part of our lease. I met and Donnie. Is, uh, he's got sugar diabetes. So Dale was afraid for him to go hunt by himself. So Donnie was going to go hunt blind number 10. And Dale said, well, I really wanted to hunt blind number 23, but I'm going to go hunt blind nine where I'll be next to Donnie. I said, no, you go ahead and hunt 23, and I'll hunt nine beside of Donnie. He said, you'll do that. I said, yeah. And I said, I'll take him to the blind. And I had that old van. Well, that old van was just a piece of junk. So I, <laughs> I barely made it out there, you know, to put Donnie up the blind. Well, he shot. So I, I went early to help him in case we had to hunt the deer, and we didn't have to hunt it. He, he made a great shot, and the deer was right there. So we loaded it up, and took some pictures, and just high-fived and celebrated a little bit. So we started in. Well, it was uh, it was uh, dusty dawn, dark, and uh, kind of to twilight. And I could look, and I could see dust boiling. So I knew what was happening. Here comes Earnhardt. Deja vu. I'm in that same corner. So I looked over at Donnie, and I said, Donnie, have you got your seatbelt on? He said, no. Why? I said, because here comes Earnhardt. He said, oh, Lord, let me buckle up. Let me buckle up. So he got his seatbelt on. That old van didn't have any brake lights. And so Earnhardt's coming up behind me, and I'm watching him in my in my old crooked broke mirror on the side of that van. <laughs> Just about the time he's getting ready to hit me, I locked that thing down on a dime. He hit me so hard it blew the doors off that van. Both side doors went flying out the back doors. And he's got a brand-new Suburban. And it bent the bumper of that Suburban down in the ground to the point that he couldn't even get away from me. So I was going to back up and turn him over. So I went backing up as well, but they blew both tires out of that van, so the rims were spinning inside the tires, and I couldn't get much traction. But I did hook the side of the ladder that you climb up. It just peeled the whole sheet metal off the side of the suburban. So I went back in. He couldn't even get back to camp. They had to back down the road and find a mesquite tree that had a winch on the front of that thing that he could throw between the forks of a big mesquite tree. And they all got out there and jumped up and down and got the bumper bent up enough out of the ground that they could drive back to camp. So I come in there and I was eating supper and he looked at me and he said, Parker, you ain't got a bit of respect for sheet metal. I said, Earnhardt, don't bother me. I'm sitting here in Victory Lane. I said, I never seen you inspect sheet metal in Victory Lane. <laughs> Oh, fun Man, that is funny. They ain't, nobody can tell that story. You're the only one that's probably ever done that with him. And, <laughs> man, just what a great story and great friendship you had there. And, and thank you for sharing that. And, you know, what I want to talk about now, Hank, and I know this means more to you than anything, and you've shared it throughout the show, your testimony. You, you've told us about how you got saved. But when I hear you tell your story, at the wild game dinners, and we've spoke at the same ones. If you don't care, share us a, a short version of it for our listeners, because I know your main thing and purpose in life is to see people accept Jesus. 
everything else is rust and dust. How important is that wreck that Earnhardt and I had, or how important is that big deer, or how important is any of this stuff going to be a million years from now? But what you do with Jesus a million years from now is going to make all the difference in the world. There's no second place. There's nothing... uh, there is nothing second to as important it is on what you do with Jesus Christ. That That's the most important thing we'll ever deal with. And I didn't realize that. My dad got saved, and he made the big change in his life. He was a drunk, and he became sober, and he prioritized Jesus. He told everybody everywhere he went what God had done in his life. And uh, I would argue with my dad from time to time, you know, and, and I would— uh, I could probably out argue my dad, and uh, but he never argued with me. He'd just say, "Okay, all right. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that." You know, I told him one time. I said, "Dad, you you needed a uh, you needed a dramatic uh, salvation experience. I don't. I'm not a drunk. I don't need that." Uh, he said, "Well, what are you saying?" I'm saying, "I'm not for God or I'm not against God. I'm okay." He said, "Okay. Well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Come on. Let's look at Matthew." 1230, it says, he that is is not with me is against me. Mm. So what are you going to do with that? Well, <laughs> I don't believe that. He said, well, let me read you what uh, Romans 3, 3 says. It says, for what if some do not believe? Will that make the faithfulness of God without effect? God forbid. Let God be true and all men a liar. <laughs> Man, I didn't know what to do with all that. Ooh, yeah. And so now I find myself arguing with God. Yeah, and uh, you, you can argue all day long, but you're not going to get anywhere. And so when we got to, uh, and my dad would read me always. He'd quote me First John five twelve and thirteen. It says, "He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life." These things have I written unto you that believe that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so at, at my dad's funeral, the preacher's reading all those same scriptures, and it's like the Holy Spirit's just knocking on my door and saying, "Okay, what are you going to do with?" Uh, your dad's witness to you. You know the truth. You've ran. I love you. I'm here to save you. But you've got to take that step. What are you going to do? And, uh, boy, I just feel like the Holy Spirit was knocking on my door, and it might be my last opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew I was going to hell, according to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. And i have been rejected. So I knew where my destiny was, and it wasn't heaven, and I wanted it to be heaven. And uh, at my dad's funeral, uh, the preacher said, if anybody here wants to accept Jesus Christ with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you pray along, uh, it doesn't have to be exactly what I say, but in your heart, uh, raise your hand. And I raise my hand. And my brother raised his hand. Uh, that's been over 40 years ago, and uh, I'm more in love with Jesus now than I've ever been. And it's all about him, and uh, life is certain. People say, well, you never know what, what you're going to get. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know exactly. Hebrews 9:27 says it's pointed unto man uh, to die once and then the judgment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the judgment, I can't stand before God and justify myself. So I'm going to plead the blood. Come on. <laughs> and plead the, blood the blood cleanses all iniquity. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be as pure as the driven snow standing before God. And yes. I'm going to be welcome into heaven, not because of me, but because of him. Hallelujah. And uh, so I know my future. So <laughs> a lot of people out there that I talk to that they think, well, I'm, I think I'm okay. Well, I hope I am. It's not a think so or hope so. It's a I know so. First John five twelve says, if you accept Jesus Christ, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about you applying that free gift that he gave you. He gave his shed blood that we could have life, Hallelujah. and we could have it more abundantly, and we could have it eternally. And when you accept him, uh, that blood is applied to cover your sins. I like the little boy. Little boy in, in Sunday school said, you know, there's nothing. The teacher said there's nothing that God can't do. The little boy raised his hand. I know something God can't do. Finally, after a little bit of time and frustration, the teacher said, okay, Johnny, uh, if, if you'd be so kind, just tell this class what God cannot do. And Johnny looked at the class, and he said, God cannot see my sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> So that's my plea. I plead the blood. Man, if that don't touch your heart, as my pastor would say, Redbone, your wood is wet. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, man, you got to use that one, Hank. Everybody, you want to learn more about Hank Parker, a man of God. Hank, how can people follow you and what can they do to uh, reach out to you? Your Facebook page, uh, website, what can they do? We hadn't done a very good job with that, Alec. We're in the process of getting that all going, but HankParker.com, you can find me, and we're working on that and building that. I'm trying to do a YouTube. I did not tell you this, but uh, I fished competitively for 15 years and retired, and so we've had a hunting show now for 15 years, and uh-huh. we're no longer doing the hunting show. This was our last I didn't year know that. hunting show. Oh, Yeah, no. I know that. I didn't, we hadn't told many people, but the yeah. hunting show's history uh, this is my 35th year with uh, fishing television, so we're still going strong with the fishing side. Well, I'll do everything in my power to help you promote the fishing and your products any way I can through all of my avenues. And I want to read some scripture for you. I pulled up here real quick, and we're going to wrap this show up with Hank Parker, everybody. Alrighty. And this is Psalms 98.1.2, King James Version. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. The Lord that hath made known his salvation, his righteousness hath he openly shewed in the sight of the heathen. Think about it, folks. <laughs> Think about that. That's deep. It just goes along with what Hank was saying and what he's preaching, man. We've all been heathens. Think about it. It's our hey, choice. I'm the worst. <laughs> I've been the worst. I promise you. And I still fall short sometimes, but God's there for oh, all hey. of us. Yeah. As long hey. as we got this flesh attached to our bones, we're going we're gonna to have problems. But uh, thank God that uh, greater is he that is in me than who is in the world. So uh, he's in me. The Holy Spirit's there. And uh, my flesh is wicked, and but my heart is pure. It's very obvious. You agree, Redbone? What a show. 100%. What a show. What a show. Thank you, Hank. We love you. And I want to get you on here at home with me to fish, and I want you to kill one of my bucks this fall. All right, brother. We're going to hold my hoagie to it. I love you, buddy. Tell all the family Happy New Year. And Hank Parker, the legend, everybody. What a show.
Thank you, buddy. Happy New Year to you and to your family. We love them. And Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you so much. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>